The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. With so many legal woes swirling around Donald Trump, Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg has stepped forward with an indictment secured following an inquiry into hush money paid to porn movie star Stormy Daniels. Former Vice President Mike Pence didn't hold back upon hearing the news of Trump's indictment. Speaking to Wolf Blitzer on CNN last night, he was incredulous as to how the grand jury even came to the decision to indict. It appears to millions of Americans be nothing more than a political prosecution that's driven by a prosecutor who literally ran for office on a pledge to indict the former president. But it wasn't just uh, Mr. Vice President, and excuse me for interrupting, it wasn't just the prosecutor, the district attorney right. in New York who did this. This was a grand jury, a grand jury of some 23 people, right. and you need a majority, 12, to go ahead and criminally indict. Well, I, I understand that, and it's uh, been a long time since I was in law school, Wolf, but I remember the old saying, you can indict a ham sandwich, right? Uh, the threshold, the burden of proof is very low. Prosecutors make decisions, discretionary decisions about what they bring all the time. Federal prosecutors passed on this. The Manhattan DA initially delayed it, passed on it. Uh, but when you have an attorney general in New York and a Manhattan DA that targeted one particular American in their campaigns, I think that offends the notion of of the overwhelming majority of the American people who believe in fairness, who believe in equal treatment before the law. And this appears to be just one more example, Wolf, of the kind of two-tiered justice system that uh, the American people have had enough of. That's Mike Pence. Well, his reaction seemed measured when compared to that of Donald Trump Jr. Have a listen. Let's be clear, folks. This is like communist level shit. This is stuff that would make Mao, Stalin, uh, Pol Pot, it would make them blush. And what does Trump's lawyer Joe Tacopina make of the indictment? If the expenditure or the payment was made and would have been made by that person irrespective of the campaign, it's not a campaign uh, finance law violation here. That's clearly what this was, something that was made, and that's why it was personal funds reused. And what of Stormy Daniels, the person at the centre of all of this? Well, her lawyer, Clark Brewster, outlined her reaction for Anderson Cooper on CNN last night. She wasn't surprised because I really do believe over the last three or four weeks particularly, uh, it it seemed to be likely or inevitable that an indictment would be returned. Uh, But I think she's relieved. Um, I, I think she really... Uh, really, it's a fight against his rejection of truth and his manufacturing of, of stories that really uh, motivated her uh, to, to try to uh, cooperate in any way, certainly to get the truth out and, and they have this jury, at least the grand jury, make that decision. So can the former president weather this storm as he prepares to run again, given there are so many other dark legal clouds on his horizon? Well, for some insight and reaction, I'm joined now by Professor of U.S. Politics at UCD, Scott Lucas. Good morning, Scott. Good morning to you, Pat. Now, we know that Trump has been indicted. That's the news overnight. Uh, The system is kind of different there because we would have the guard investigate the situation, send a file to the DPP, and the DPP would decide to charge or not. It's different in America. Yeah, in the United States, we've got this added layer of the grand jury system. So, again, as in Ireland, you'll have an investigation by the authorities. Uh, That would be law enforcement and then working with prosecutors. 
in a district attorney's office. But then you take the evidence which has been compiled and you put it before a, a jury in, in Manhattan where this case is filed. It ranges from 16 to 23 uh, of your peers. In other words, ordinary citizens who are brought together. And, you know, this process could be quick in some cases. It could be weeks or even months in others, uh, especially in a case, a financial case such as the one involving Trump. At a certain point, uh, when, the pro- uh, when the grand juries have heard all of the witnesses, uh, the prosecution's witnesses, they make the decision whether there is sufficient evidence to proceed to trial. In other words, they file an indictment or vote for an indictment. There's one distinct difference in this Trump uh, case from what normally happens in grand juries. Normally, grand juries do not hear any witnesses for the prospective defendant. But prosecutors a few weeks ago, when it was likely that the grand jury would vote on an indictment, reached out to the Trump camp and said, look, if Donald Trump wants to say his piece, uh, he needs to do so now. Uh, Trump did not come before the grand jury. Uh, for whatever reason, whether he didn't want to or his lawyers recommended against it. But they did put forward one witness who is sympathetic to Trump, um, a lawyer named Robert Costello, who reportedly was was really trying to take down one of the prosecution's witnesses, the former Trump lawyer and fixer, Michael Cohen. So we got a little taste, just a little taste of what might happen uh, once this case uh, goes beyond indictment and proceeds to trial. What happens next? When someone is indicted, what's the next step in the process? Okay, so Trump now, over the next few days, uh, through his lawyers, will be asked to surrender to the authorities in New York, and he'll have to fly up from Florida from his home and resort to do so. Uh, You surrender to authorities. That's the alternative to them coming down and arresting you. When he surrenders... He will be fingerprinted. He will be read his Miranda rights, Uh, you know, those rights that you quite often see in Mm -hmm. U.S. cop shows. He normally in New York, a suspect is handcuffed uh, during this process. But given Trump's status as a former president and given, I think, that you don't really want to incite his supporters who he's trying to call out on the streets, I think that might not happen in this case. by ne- we think it'll be next Tuesday. It's being reported next Tuesday. He then goes into a Manhattan court for the formal arraignment process, and that's where the indictment is presented, where Trump is asked to respond to the indictment with you know, inevitably will be a not guilty. And then we proceed to a, a much lengthier next phase, which is where both sides prepare for a, a trial phase. Now, this is completely without precedent in the United States. Uh, Not that a a president might have committed a crime, because surely Nixon did in authorizing the break-in into the Watergate Hotel. Uh, That's a given. But in terms of an indictment actually being brought. Right. The closest we got, Pat, to, to the filing of charges would have been the Richard Nixon case, because after he resigned as president, he was uh, liable prosecution, but you might remember that his successor, Gerald Ford, stepped in immediately with a pardon, so we never got there. Uh, Donald Trump, who reportedly investigated pardoning himself before he left office, was not able to do so, or did not choose to do so. And so we are in uncharted waters. We know a couple things, however, about this, and that is, despite the fact that he's indicted, indeed, even if he is convicted, Donald Trump can still campaign in 2024 to get back into the White House. 
because there's nothing in the U.S. Constitution to prevent a convicted felon from standing. What we do not know is, is if this came to trial before November 2024, and if Trump was reelected, could he serve as president while being behind bars? Um, there is a clause, uh, which is that a president can be removed for high crimes and misdemeanors. Trump indeed faced that on two impeachment trials while he was in office. Whether this would have to be invoked, well, that just tells you how distinctive uh, this is as a period in U.S. history. Mm-hmm. Now, the pardoning by Gerald Ford of Nixon, uh, he did so on the basis of uh, healing, that this would uh, kind of heal the nation's uh, rifts, which happened after the Watergate scandal. Uh, But I'm sure even at that time, and certainly today, people would be wondering, you know, if someone commits a grievous assault or a murder on someone which has caused riots in any any particular part of the United States, that charges would not be brought against the perpetrator in the interests of healing the nation or the community. <laughs> it's a very hollow kind of argument for not making the high and mighty pay for their crimes. Well, I, let me, I'll start off just with a, a general belief. which I think is important for wider reasons, which I'll get to. And that is, you do not prejudice the legal system. And when you invoke politics, and we've had politics come in here, which is, oh, well, you can't indict Trump because he is calling his supporters out under the streets. There could be violence. When you prejudice the legal process by saying, oh, this could actually help Trump win the election, uh, a line that he and his supporters are putting out, you're putting your thumb on the scales. Um, That is part of a wider issue which is distinctive to this period as opposed to the 1970s. And that is, this is a case where Donald Trump and those around him don't want to heal. They they have no intention of healing. They thrive off of division. And the Trump tactics here are, is to gaslight. And by gaslight, I mean to divert from the facts of the case to blame and insult others. In this case, the district attorney, prosecutors, the grand jury, the entire judicial system, because it's from division that he will save himself. Uh, He's done it when he was president. We saw it over Trump Russia. We saw it over Trump Ukraine and the impeachments. He has tried to do it in the multiple cases, some of which have led to conviction of the Trump organization, others of which are still pending, including over the Capitol attack and election interference. And we've already seen the tactics now that... The threats, and these are actually threats that are being made beginning with his tweet on March 19th, which is, if you come after me, I will dog whistle my supporters and I will get them to come after you. Uh, We're in the midst of this, Pat, and I think it's important again and again. Each time you have a guest on your program about this topic, I would ask you to start with them saying, do you actually uphold the American legal system? Do you believe that it is valid? Because if they hesitate, then you know they may be taking the Trump line. Now, this is the first of many possible uh, legal difficulties for uh, Trump. I mean, he is being sued about sexual assault by E. Jean Carroll. The Department of Justice is investigating January the 6th. The FBI investigating Mar-a-Lago. Himself and his family are being looked at by the New York uh, District Attorney in terms of uh, financial fraud. Um, there are so many areas uh, in which indictments could f- from which indictments could flow. Um, do you think that this w- will 
you know, break the dam, this particular first indictment of a former president and that others now will fairly quickly follow? Well, let me give you something, Pat, which I don't think came up in the coverage so far, which I think is really important. And that is, I think the dam was already broken in the last few months by cases which ended uh, initially in the civil conviction of the Trump organization for business malpractice, and they had to pay a very hefty fine. And then, and then in the criminal conviction of the Trump organization and indeed of its chief financial officer, uh, Alan Weisselberg, uh, over their business practices. I think once those convictions came through, in a way, the Manhattan District Attorney's Office could say, wait, well, you know, Trump isn't this Teflon guy, this phrase we use for someone who can just simply evade accountability. And that, I think, helped propel them to gather more evidence for the grand jury where, yeah, the dam has been broken. This is another breach where Trump is indicted, and you could have further, as you've referred to, I think the most serious, maybe, uh, in Georgia, where uh, there is an investigation, which is before a grand jury now, about Trump's election interference in 2020. Um, that, in addition to the possibility of uh, civil or criminal action coming out of the Capitol attack on January 6th, that means we're going to have multiple cases we're going to be looking at, although this will be the headliner, given that it's the first indictment over the next, what, 20 months before the presidential election. Now, what happens next within the Republican Party? Obviously, people are leaping his to his defence. Kevin McCarthy already has the Speaker of the House. Mike Pence reacting, as we heard, uh, saying this is an outrage and talking about political interference in the judicial system. Uh, but uh, there are those, uh, surely, in their quieter moments, including Mike Pence, who are thinking this could be the end of the Trump circus in the Republican Party. Mitch McConnell would probably wish it, and I'm sure he regrets many of his actions during the Trump presidency now, um, that uh, the time has come to, to get rid of Trump. Donald Trump is tearing the Republican Party apart, Pat. Um, I mean, he's done this for years with this dog whistle politics, which is you're either with me or you're against me. Again, we saw it through the multiple cases from Trump Russia to Trump Ukraine to the various uh, business cases to the Capitol attack. Specifically in this case on March 19th, when he put out that tweet calling on people to protest, you know, for his sake, that was also a signal to senior Republicans, are you going to uh, stand by me? And certain Republicans at the time of that tweet, and then again last night after the indictment, they uh, answered the dog whistle. And that includes the House Speaker, Kevin McCarthy, who uh, repeated Trump's line that it's a political prosecution. It includes the former Vice President Mike Pence, who despite distancing himself from Trump over the Capitol attack, repeated the line political prosecution. It includes Ron DeSantis, who wants to be president in 2024. In other words, there's a section of the Republican Party who are codependent with Trump, as they have been for years. They fear if they do not uh, call out to Trump supporters and support Trump, their political futures will be dented. There are other Republicans, we should emphasize, who are not doing that. Uh, You could talk about Mitt Romney, uh, the senator from Utah and the former presidential candidate. Uh, You could talk about some very high-profile senators, and probably, although he's doing it quite quietly right now, Mitch McConnell believe that the party, even if it will win with Trumpism, has to do it without Trump. But the Trump tactic will be to kind of get them into an arm lock where they dare not speak out uh, and cut against, again, this gaslighting politics that he's going to pursue with more and more intensity. 
I mean, just one fact, Trump, uh, uh, just one fact, Pat, uh, within minutes of the indictment coming down, uh, Trump not only makes his response on social media, but the Trump campaign uh, use it to try to fundraise by saying, you know, this is the, the most damaging moment in American history. Give us money. I agree with them. It's one of the most damaging moments in American history, but I certainly don't think you should be using that to try to boost the Trump campaign in 2024. Scott Lucas, professor of U.S. politics at UCD. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, Pat. Now, some of the comments coming in, right-wing Republicans and those looking for their votes will now go all out to ensure that Trump ain't the only former president to be indicted for something. Uh, so they'll be, who would they want to indict? Not their own George Bush, of course, but it would have to be either uh, Clinton, uh, perhaps, or Obama, perhaps, or maybe they'll just satisfy themselves with going after the Biden family. Uh, How ironic, uh, says Tom, to paraphrase his own campaign slogan, lock him up. Now, I'm joined by Gina London, a former CNN White House correspondent and columnist with the Sunday Independent. Gina, good morning. Hey, good morning to you, Pat. Now, this broke very late for us uh, last night uh, in late afternoon in the United States. Uh, So there has been time for uh, some media reaction and public reaction. What are you reading on the wires? What are you seeing on the cables? Yeah, thanks for that. You know, I've been riveted to it since I woke up at five o'clock this morning, Pat. And for the listeners, I think it's important to point out real quickly that I, yes, worked for CNN, but I also worked for five years at the affiliate in Washington, D.C. for Fox, as well as a year in New York with corporate. And the difference in the coverage of between these two networks, CNN and Fox, is absolutely jaw-dropping. Over on CNN, you're listening to commentators as you've played a couple clips already, interviewing experts, interviewing lawyers, interviewing, of course, Michael Cohen on their take and focusing very very narrowly on the indictment itself, what the charges may or may not mean. And of course, they won't talk a lot of them won't talk about it because that's what the indictment is going to reveal when it's presented officially before Trump on Tuesday, if that's when it happens. And what's happening, though, over on Fox, your former uh, guests talked about the word gaslighting. And that is all I can call it as I was listening to the Fox coverage this morning is they they are bringing this all the way out to, in their words, the deep state, the national security state, the regime, the banana republic. These are words that these commentators are using as they're describing what is happening. They're saying that this is the beginning of the government coming after you, the conservative voters, that Donald Trump received 70 million votes in 2020. And this, their words, is putting you, the conservative voter, the 70 million of your votes behind bars. It is fascinating to watch the rhetoric in their approach, Pat, Mm. really whipping up. They say, interestingly, I found this I hadn't heard this one before. They said this morning that the big lie of the 2020 election, nothing to do with the votes being rigged or anything that Trump was saying, but that the real 2020 election was that Joe Biden was going to unite America and instead that he and the Democrats are actually inciting conservative voters to act up and line up another January 6th. That one really blew me away. Um, It's interesting that the Republicans believe that uh, the Democrats can actually pervert uh, the judicial system, which tells us a little bit uh, about themselves and how they might view the judicial system. 
Well, it's interesting when you think about how when Michael Cohen, Trump's fixer and attorney, was convicted and sentenced for essentially some of the same crimes that we're going to be seeing presented likely before Trump. No Fox commentator and no Republican had a problem with that carrying out of justice. So why this is, in Pence's word, a political persecution, and that phrase now is being bandied all about Fox, it's very hard to understand because it's so easy to see the duplicity and the hypocrisy in this, as you're, especially when you're listening to the Fox pundits, that many of those very same people, those private WhatsApp messages and things where they're talking about how they don't believe and support Trump and his policies and the way that he behaves, are still out there talking about it. And it's just the, the difference in the start comparison between what they say privately and what they are saying in order yeah. and Rupert Murdoch was on he was on record when he was testifying before this Dominion voting records machine lawsuit that's still ongoing in that testimony that they were doing these things for ratings so it's it's fascinating to see yeah. how Fox is continuing to do that for yeah. ratings despite so, what the yeah. real results could be and all of this is going to be revealed. Now, whether Fox and the New York Post will cover the testimony of people like Sean Hannity when uh, they, and it seems Fox are willing that, that they should go forward and testify in the Dominion court case, which could cost Fox billions and could undo Fox entirely. Um, so whether, you know, the people who support Fox and who support Trump and all the rest of it will even get the coverage to explain the duplicity of Hannity and his like is an open question. But it will, um, to the broader general American public, expose Fox for what it is. Well, there. See, this is what's happening, and you're and you've alluded to it already. Is there are the the drumbeat of justice continues. The lawsuit around the the way that the Dominion voting record voting machines claim that they were defamed by Fox. That's continuing to go through the process, and that testimony is coming out as we're speaking about the Trump indictment from all the way when that story broke in 2018 about the hush money and the bank and the potential fraud now in the campaign finance problems, that's coming forward. The Georgia case about how the president called the secretary of state and demanded that they find the extra votes to get him certified as the winner in that state. That is continuing with that grand jury. You already mentioned the DOJ and the other cases. So the wheels are continuing to go. The unraveling is beginning. Where it ends, nobody knows, but this is the first step. Mm. Um, I, I'm just I'm, I'm amazed at the way even the Democrats, you know, they tread very softly around Trump. When you stand back and you see what uh, Trump did, particularly January the 6th, and there are obviously other aspects of his character that uh, made him unfit to be president, irrespective of the millions of votes that he got. But even the Democrats seem to tippy toe around him. It's almost as if they can't see the wood for the trees. Well, I think there is a situation here, well, the same way with the Republicans, that you've got 70 million people at that base, possibly within that 70 million votes from 2020 election, there are those independent voters, those suburban moms, people that might not be as amenable toward him this time around that they might have even been in you know, 2016 or 2020. And yet, there is this concern, polit politics does make strange bedfellows as the line goes. So are they, when they are finally going to, on the Republican side, jump from this sinking ship that is the Trump legacy? I think that once you start to see that they are, that his 
his golden touch tarnishes and someone like a Ron DeSantis can emerge, there'll be a re-rallying and there'll certainly be a, very much mm-hmm. of a time that needs to be healing for the Republicans and, frankly, the Democrats to get their act together on having a unified voice and be more cohesive on both sides. Yeah, it's uh, interesting. Scott Lucas there just saying before you came on um, that uh, Mitch McConnell will be thinking about winning with Trumpism in 2024, but without Trump. Well, and that's the th- well. That's what Ron DeSantis is. He's Trump yeah. light. He's all the policies, a conservative, but he's not the hush money and the porn stars and the and the types of personal behaviors that pe- that people are on the even on the conservative side are sick of holding their nose to. I think that you said it yourself earlier when you were talking to Scott. There is the idea that this is this has been and continues to be a circus. But at what cost? How much? What do you? What are these MAGA hat wearing people going to do? When that kind of fervor goes away, are we going to continue the culture wars? I mean, Ron DeSantis has made a lot of a lot of political movements with it in his own state. Will that continue? What what is it? Policy? Is it economy? Is it foreign policy? Or is it culture wars? What are we basing our political platforms on these days? And I think it's time for the whole, both sides, hopefully, to get their act together and think about it in the wake of all of these different proceedings that are coming to light now. Gina London, former CNN White House correspondent, also working for Fox, as she pointed out, and columnist currently with the Sunday Independent. Gina, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, Interesting comments always come in when we talk about Trump. It's a political witch hunt against President Trump. It happened before he was elected president. Nothing to see here, uh, says that texter. Uh, The issue, as I see it with Trump's indictment, is that it plays into Putin and Xi Jinping's hands, showing that Western democracy is in freefall. However... The GOP can hardly complain about that as they put Trump there despite all the evidence of who he was and what he was likely to do. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9 a.m. on News Talk.